Hello everyone, welcome to episode number 37 of Starting to Know Business Podcast with your host and your friend Ishu Singh. How are you all doing? I'm hoping that you're doing okay, you're doing fine, you're doing great. I know we've been going through a really tough time in these days, but again, this COVID has impacted everyone. I don't think so any life in this world has not been impacted directly or indirectly with this COVID. So I ask you to have courage, patience. I don't like, again, these words are very easy to say, but hard to implement. Courage, patience. Like if I don't like if something bad would happen to someone's family or someone nears and dear ones, it's easy to say to have patience and just believe and things will become okay. But in reality, things are different. It is really hard. But but again, I don't have anything else. I think it's still best to say or to request you to have some patience and courage. Keep on going. Things will become better. If you're listening to this podcast for the very first time, starting to know business podcast is all about business. Learning something new about business with every single episode. In this episode of Starting to Know, we have Damon. Damon is a founder of seonational.com. Like SEO National is a SEO agency. He's been doing this SEO thing or he's in the SEO game for more than a decade. So he has written a book on SEO. He actually writes for Forbes. He has spoken in a lot of conferences, so he's been featured on BuzzFeed and other places. And his portfolio work or companies for which he has worked has been featured on many places, big names that you might have already heard like Shark Tank and other bigger places. So the things that you will hear from Damon or the knowledge that I'm expecting that he's going to share with us in this episode is going to be of pure gold value. Before moving forward, if someone wants to get in touch with me, someone wants to learn more about me or this podcast, like how this is evolving, we we have, as mentioned in the previous episodes, we have now a magazine for starting to know as well. The name is, it's a digital magazine. Some, some people call it as a website, a blog, but it's a digital magazine. The name is Starting to Know, Starting to Know.com. And if you want to specifically learn about me, you can go to issuesing.com. I-S-H-U. S-I-N-G-H dot com, issuesing.com. You can go there and learn more about me. So now, without further ado, let's welcome Damon. Hi, Damon. Welcome to the pod. Ishi, thanks for having me. Looking forward to talking. Yeah, my pleasure to have you here. And I know about you, but I want you to share with the audience directly what is that you do. 
Um, I founded a search engine marketing company 14 years ago called SEO National. Um, what we do is we focus on helping businesses show up higher on search engines for words that they can monetize, but the key difference is without paying for ads. So we focus on the organic search results. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Damon, like I'm going to move back in time. Like I'm going to ask you, like, mm-hmm. how did you come to know about SEO? Like what the term SEO for the very first time or something like that? Mm. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. I can tell you how I got into it specifically. I, I probably don't remember the first time I heard the term, but mm-hmm. uh, my background was originally in web design and, and me and my team, we still do a lot of web design, but we, what happened was when I first started the company in 2007, it was, it was largely just myself because I was in my early twenties and it was, it was just cool to be self-employed. So I did that for about a year. And then as we started to, well, I should say, as I started to grow at the beginning, um, I realized I should, you know, bring on some additional team members and, and maybe later we can get into the growth story. But the way I got from the transition from that kind of solopreneur designer into an SEO agency is, is I had one of my, my design clients who's still a client today, 14 years later, they said, what do you know about, about Google? And I said, I know enough that we can probably make something happen, but I don't know enough that I feel comfortable charging you for it, but I also don't want to work for free. So what we did is we worked out an arrangement where at the beginning I, I did some SEO for them for free, uh, but we, we made an arrangement where I said, if we hit these goals within three months, then you owe me retroactively and you, we start a retainer moving forward. So we ended up hitting those three month goals in about six weeks and, and I enjoyed the process. And so I, I went and offered a similar arrangement to another client who's still also a client 14 years later. And throughout the process of doing those two clients, I, I realized that I enjoyed the process. And I always knew pretty early on that I never wanted to be an agency that said they did it all and was kind of mediocre at all of it. So mm-hmm. I, I was very intentional about just staying in my lane of SEO. And, and we've since grown now we're up to about a 30 person team. And that's all we do is SEO. We, we do a lot of design because it comes with the territory of SEO, but we don't go out actively promoting that, that we were a design agency or anything, but that's kind of the short answer of how I got mm-hmm. into it and what I was doing before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And not the short one. <laughs> yeah, so, that, that's the, that's the short, long answer. <laughs> <laughs> True. So as you work with the big companies to build their SEO strategies and because I've seen on your website and you are also writing for Forbes, give us some insights into how to rank. The, there's a lot of moving parts, but all those parts fall into two categories. Um, the, the first category is kind of what you do on your website. And the second category is what you do externally to your website. So examples of some of those, that first category of what you do on your website, is going to be kind of standard things like, is it a good web design? Does it load quickly? Is it mobile friendly? And then that second category is external credibility. It's like a popularity contest. Are other websites talking about you or mentioning you? Do you have credibility? And then somewhere in between there is content because you can have content on your website and then you can have content externally to your website. So if you break all the things down that go into SEO, none of them individually are terribly complicated but who, whoever's going to win and show up at the top of search engines is going to be who knows how to do the variety of things of those things the most efficiently and can juggle them the longest. But, but for the most part, not one of them is particularly rocket science. It's just who can do the best at all of them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you're talking about like something like lazy loading of the images, JavaScript, things like that, like using 
different tools and mechanisms to make your website load faster, writing good content, like doing guest blogging, like combination of everything, right? Yeah, I mean, all of those, some have pros, some have cons, but the, the general concept, yeah, you know, who can who can understand what tools to use and where and, and in the most efficient manner and maintain that the longest. Mm -hmm. Damon, is there any particular time frame that is required for a post or a page to rank like any time frame that you have noticed? Well, I think we can probably divide that into two separate two separate topics. One is how long does it take for Google to see the content and rank it? But ranking could mean, mean you know, anything does it show up at all versus maybe optimize it to where it's on page one and, and you're getting traffic from it. So there, there's kind of two answers. I mean, depending on how you set up your website, Google's pretty good at finding new content, but just because it finds it and indexes it, there's a big difference between being on page 57 and page one. So it's going to find it pretty quickly. One way you can make sure that Google finds your content is you can set up an account with what's called Google Search Console. And it's a, it's a free portal where you submit your website, validate it to prove that you own it. And then from there, Google will kind of continually ping it and check for updates. And, and there's other ways we can get into other deeper conversations of, of how you can do it the other way, how you can ping Google and say, hey, I have some updates that are made. And then I can go look at it. So Google will find content pretty quick these days. But as far as maybe timeframes on how long it takes to have something rank, it's going to depend on your industry. I mean, mm -hmm. if you have if you have a really competitive industry, it could take years. Mm -hmm. um, but if you have a more kind of niche industry and and it's in a specific geographical area, maybe maybe you only have one other competitor and you're in a small town, you, you might be able to rank in you know the first three months, but mm -hmm. If, if the, the kind of an easy way you can look at this is if you go to Google and you search on a desktop, this won't work on a mobile, but if you go on a desktop and you type in whatever you would like to rank for it, on a desktop, it's going to give you a quantity of results. Mm -hmm. That quantity is how many other websites you're fighting against. Now, it, it, not all of those are going to be a direct competitor, but it doesn't matter because they're in your way of page one. So that's one loose way you can look and say, okay, how competitive is this space or this term or this target or this phrase that I want to go after simply based on math? Like how many other websites are in my way? So depending on the answer to that, it, it, it could be, you want to commit to at least a year. There's a lot of truth to that whole year thing. Now, the way that certain people present it, uh, there may not be some truth to it, but the concept mm -hmm. of, of a year is pretty realistic just because of the logistics of what goes into proper SEO, it takes time to strategize and build out content and then actually create it and distribute it and wait for Google to find it. And then whatever structure updates you may need to do or redesign your website, there's a lot of things you got to do. And it just takes time to get those all done and then wait for Google to take action on all those items. So uh, I don't know if that kind of answers it, but mm -hmm. it's kind of going to depend on what you're fighting against. Mm -hmm. Any any tools that you suggest to use like for, for doing the SEO, not only keyword research, but give us a few names to cover the whole cycle of SEO if you if you have any preferences. Um, I, I, there's the standard ones. I mean, Google Search Console will help you understand how search engines are looking at the structure of your website. Moz is a popular tool, MOSD. Now, all these ones I'm going to give out, I don't necessarily use them. I can tell you some of the ones that I use. But so what some of the popular ones are Search Console, Moz. Of course, you want to use Google Analytics so you can better understand your traffic and user behavior. Um, another popular tool is Ahrefs, A-H-R-E-F-S. 
Um, there's SEM rush, all of those are super popular. Um, some of the other tools that I use, they all do kind of the same thing. So that's maybe that's worth noting to the listeners is if you're shopping around SEO, when you talk to an agency and you're asking, you're trying to figure out which ones are good or which ones are bad, what you want to ask them is, is questions that will help you understand how transparent they are. Because there's only so many tools that are out there. And even across the variety of tools that are out there, they all kind of do the same thing. So if an agency is telling you that they have their own proprietary tools, they might, but it's pretty unlikely. Or if they if they try and give you a vague answer and, and dance around telling you some sort of uh, specific insights as to what they do and how they do it, or if they say it's proprietary or this or that, you Usually that's a sign that, that they either don't know what they're doing or it's just a sales guy. So I, I tell you that because there's a lot of great tools that are out there. You just got to pick and commit to one. So some of the other ones that, that we use personally are we use AWR Cloud, Advanced Web Rankings. So that one's kind of comparable to SEMrush. Mm -hmm. And then we also use a, a local desktop server or desktop-based software that, that's not cloud-based. Um, it's called uh, Link Assistant, the Link Assistant Suite, or SEO Power Suite. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of use a variety of tools that are cloud-based and then also locally installed on our computers so they're on demand. So that way, on the cloud, we can set up recurring audits and reports that are just ready at the beginning of each month. And then as we have new leads and new clients, we need something a little bit quicker and on demand, then we have a lot of locally installed software too. Mm -hmm. Damon, um, like how to pick and choose, like, uh, when can the company or a person can decide that, okay, um, this is it from my side. Now I should look for an agency. What, what do you think like it's going to be the right time for the person to start looking for the agency or like how to balance? Like if I'm having a company, how should I decide? Like, should I, should I decide in a way that oh, should I, I, sh I should be hiring people instead of going for the agency? What, what is going to be the right time? Are you getting my question? Yeah, that's a good question. It's going to depend on a couple of things. One is going to be how competitive is your market. So same kind of thing earlier, where if, if there's only one other person in your space and you're in a geographically limited area, then that's not a lot of competition. You can probably tackle that yourself. Mm -hmm. But then as soon as you start, like this goes into how we price out SEO campaigns. So with my company, we don't do packages. What we do is we look at three things. The first thing we look at is what's the market? You know, how competitive is the space they're in? Is it hyper competitive like weight loss? Or is it that guy that sells just the one thing in a small town? Mm -hmm. So the, the bigger you go and the more competition, then the more you have to fight against, the more time, the more cost. The, the second thing we look at is the, the geographical topic. So are you selling um, in, in a small town or do you offer a service that's in a state or are you a national brand or an international brand? Well, obviously the broader you go, the more competition, the more time, the more cost. So mm -hmm. that's where you're gonna start is how, what am I fighting against? Not only how many results, but who, you know, a good example might be, let's say you're in a small town and, and you only have one other competitor and you're selling a retail product. Well, you're probably not going to have a lot of quantity of competitors, but you also have to look at the quality of competitors. So what I mean is if you go do that search on, on a desktop, well, actually you can do this, this part on a mobile too, but just go see who shows up. If you're selling a retail product, you only got one other guy in town, but then the other result on page one is Amazon and Walmart then that's a big battle because you don't have a lot of people, but you have big people you're fighting against. Mm. So it's largely going to depend on your competition. Now, the, the next thing that you would look at is, okay, what, what is my time worth? Because SEO just boils down to time. So it's either your time or you pay for somebody else's time. 
So most campaigns, like with our agency, most campaigns are somewhere between 2,500 and 4,500 a month. Now that can be that can be more for those national and international clients. That can be less for those um, small town businesses. So you have to quantify what your time is worth. Let's say on the lower end, you have the type of SEO you need to compete. You would have to pay somebody two thousand bucks a month. Well, can is that two thousand bucks a month worth it to free up your time to do something else? Or would it be better to keep that 2000 bucks, but then you're going to have to use some of that time to do some of this stuff on your own. And uh, maybe part of the answer to that question is, is going to lean back on the first question is how competitive is your market? Because there's a big difference between having to, you know, write maybe just once a week versus write several times a week, depending on how competitive your industry is. So it is basically going to boil down how competitive your market is and how, what your time is worth. And then maybe the last part of that equation is how much patience do you have? Um, the SEO, we, we touched on how you kind of want to mentally commit to at least a year. Mm -hmm. So do, do you want to tackle this beast on your own for a year, mm -hmm. or do you want to pay somebody that could probably do it a little bit better and maybe can get it done in, you know, nine months, but it's still nine months, or is this something that you just are fine with kind of doing on the side on your own indefinitely? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting, interesting answer. So like anything i would say like anything that you have noticed that small players like small companies are not doing but should be doing to outrank or rank against the big players anything any trend one thing that's not really it's not new for me but it's still kind of new for for individual business owners um there, there's a there's a type of it's not, it's, it's not a strategy. It's not code. I mean, it kind of is code, but there's this thing called schema S C H E M A. Hmm. Now what schema is, is, is it's a way to better communicate to search engines, what the content on your page is about right now. When, when Google goes to your website, it largely makes a lot of educated guesses. And it says, well, I think this is the product. I think this is the price. I think this is the description what schema does is it doesn't change anything visually, but on the back side where the code is, it just wraps a little snippet of code around what's already there. So if you have a product that already has the price, then there's just a little variable that's added in the code that says item type equals price. And so what that does is it tells Google, hey, you don't have to guess if this is the price. You no longer have to guess if this is the name, the product, the company name, the service, the address, the phone number, the anything because I'm I took the time to very clearly communicate to you exactly what this thing is, this item, this variable that I've wrapped within this schema. And so if you can take the time to add that little extra bit of emphasis to your service, your product, your content, Google is going to better trust what it is. And a lot of, a lot of the listeners are obviously going to have a website that runs on WordPress so if you're on WordPress, there's a lot of plugins that will help you with the schema. Um, one that we use is called WP Schema Pro, and it has a built-in builder to help you create all that schema code without having to manually type it out. So if, if you can use a mechanism like WP Schema Pro, if you're on WordPress, or if you're not on WordPress, you can just search, you know, uh, business schema builder or product schema builder. And there's going to be a bunch of free tools that are out there. If you take the time to implement that, it's going to help better communicate to search engines, whatever your product or service or thing on the page you're talking about is. 
Damon, like this question, like I definitely like it was coming in as you were saying, like it was coming in my mind. Like nowadays, like it's all about SaaS. Like you, you were always also touching onto the point of SEO tools. Like you were mentioning about uh, cloud tools. So again, that's the concept of SaaS. So mm-hmm. how to rank a newly built SaaS, which is still in a pre-launch stage, because I'm pretty sure like a lot of founders are listening to this episode right now. So just want to ask you from that point of view, like how to rank a SaaS, like they are still building up. Uh, do you, do, have you ever heard about the name of superhuman? Superhuman, the email, the email tool that, that is, that was being built. I think, um, I think two years back or something like that. Like uh, there's one founder in Silicon Valley, like he, he started this uh, superhuman. The concept behind mm-hmm. this is you're gonna you're gonna have a faster email, like right now, and the concept of zero inbox. Mm-hmm. So basically, uh, with uh, providing you powerful tools and all that. Uh, talking about the tools, like I'm not touching onto the point of tools, like what power that tool is having, but the concept, like how they launched or how he launched is the wait list for this superhuman email tool is around 200,000 people. Mm-hmm. So how he did, like he created a curiosity among people like, okay, this tool is coming up and he didn't put the content out there. Uh, he didn't start with the content. He started with different approach. He started talking to public publication and like he was not writing content or not. None of his team was writing, writing the content. Uh, he kept, many things exclusive like if he's talking to someone that publication is going to be top end or something like that starting with the same strategy like i've seen many SaaS companies who are now focusing on pre-launch before Mm -hmm. yes they were focusing but not that much like because they were focused on at the launch stage or post-launch promotion or like doing the content at that stage but now i've seen companies started doing pre-launch exercises as well so I know, I know, like I've asked you a long winded question, like still. Um, no, I got it. Yeah. 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 So there's a couple answers to this that there's the, the first thing is we, we want to define the difference between what superhuman and some others are doing, because yeah. that that's their success with pre-launch was driven by social proof. And, and so that's largely different than SEO, but that's not to say that you can't accomplish similar results with SEO. So, so what, what they did has nothing to do with SEO, Mm -hmm. but the way you could approach it from an SEO perspective is it's all about giving away the answers ahead of time. So I can actually give you a pretty clear example for it's a, it's a non SaaS product, but it was actually something that I personally went through is so about 11 years ago, um, my, my wife is a licensed nail technician. So I said, come over to entrepreneur land, let's build you a salon and you can Mm -hmm. be your own business owner too. So I built her a salon and we, we did the pre-launch and, and so by the time I'll bounce around here a little bit by the, I'll skip ahead for a moment and then I'll go back. Mm -hmm. So skipping ahead, when we opened our doors, we had like, I don't know if it was one or two hours, but it was a lengthy wait on day one. Hmm. And so the way that we did that is we did a lot of pre-launch. And so we went through and, and months ahead of while we were building the salon and painting the walls and getting the inventory and doing all that stuff, we were working on the SEO. And what we were doing is we were 
putting out content and giving away all the answers. So we were focusing on like, okay, now I don't remember what the topics were now because it's so long ago, but it, it would be things like, you know, what's the difference between gel nails and acrylic nails? What's the difference between this product and that product, this service and that service? And none of it was salesy. And I want to emphasize that it was intentionally not salesy because maybe one of the things we talk about here, here, here in a moment is the value and social proof and giving away answers. So back to the salon, we, we just cranked out content and all of it was relevant. And I can talk about ways that you can tap into your buyer intent and how to identify what the audience is thinking and tap into that mindset. But we just started giving away the answers and saying, you know, we're, I'm in Utah. And so I was like, here's what the Utah market needs. Here's Utah styles and this and that, that was relevant to our very local market. And so what do you got to do is figure out what pain points and questions does your audience need answered and give away the freaking answers? Don't send them to a landing page. Don't send them to a funnel. Don't send them. I mean, you know, a lot of people are going to argue with me on this one, but I would say, don't send them to an email list, you know, not directly to an email list, get them to the answer. And then maybe you can follow up with an email list. But by doing that, you are answering the questions that they have. You are staying top of mind. You are showing that you are the subject matter expert. You are building a subconscious relationship with them and you're establishing your authority in the market all before you even launch. So um, it, it doesn't matter if it's SaaS or anything, but it's gonna be the same strategy where you bring your value to the market. So they turn around and are attracted for, to you and then you stay top of mind by the time you do launch. Hmm. Okay, cool. Cool, cool strategies. I, I, I got it. So basically, you're saying like, um, don't try to sell anything initially. Like, don't go for the money part. Like, whatever they are looking, just provide it to them. And if they find the value, they're gonna of course come back to you and to learn more or maybe to buy what you're selling, right? Automatically. Yeah, I mean, you can have a call to action on there on the page, but don't don't be begging for the sell. So, so to kind of transition that into the, the topic where I said, maybe talk about social proof. Um, you know, if you go look at the content that I put out on LinkedIn, LinkedIn's kind of my, my, my platform of choice where I post a little bit more frequently. And if you go look at my historical content, I don't send people to a, an email list. I don't add a link to uh, my funnel. I don't even have a funnel. I don't even have an email list. So I'm a seven figure agency owner that's never paid a dollar for ads. I don't have an email list and I don't have funnels. And so the way that we grow historically, it's been on, it's been on referrals and still largely is. Um, and I think there's, there's the obvious value of that where you, where you bring your expertise and value and drive return for your customers. And it's going to, they're going to do the selling for you. So I'm not really going to talk about referrals, but the reason why I mentioned referrals is because now, even though that's been the majority of our business over the last 14 years, um, within the last year and a half, two years, and definitely this year, as of the time we're recording this early 2021, um, social proof is going to outpace our referrals for sales. And so that's me on LinkedIn saying, here's an SEO problem. Here's the SEO answer. Here's a content problem. Here's the content answer. And never saying, go find out more here. Go sign up for my email list to find the answer. It's never go download my thing at the funnel. I just give them the answer. Because what happens is then I am the expert. They trust me. I didn't ask for anything from them. And then when they're ready, that, so, so you got three types of content consumers, because I imagine some of the people that are listening to this are saying, well, why would I give away my answers for free? What if they take the answer and run? 
good for them because you only got three types of content consumers. The first one is going to be somebody that takes your answer and runs. They were never your customer anyway. So why do you care? But the nice side of that, the nice side of that is that you just helped somebody. Now they trust you. Now they may send a referral. Now they may come back later. And so that's the second time a consumer is, is so, or a content consumer. So the first one is they take your answer and run. Good for them. The second one is they take the answer and then they remember you or they send a referral or they come back later. And then the third type of content consumer is the one that just buys. They go, Damon has what I need. Here's my money. So as the consumers go, through, as, as you kind of filter out those consumers and then they finally reach out to you, very little of our sales conversations with my company have anything to do with sales because they already trust me. They already know what product and service we offer. They already know the types of results that we can drive. And so usually when they call us, it's pretty much how do we start and where do I send my money? And so it, it makes it, nobody likes the sales process, mm. not you on the agency side or the business owner side, not the customer on their side. So it just makes it more seamless and smoother for everybody all around. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Interesting. And so, uh, Damon, like a lot of interesting things are coming from your side, like at the same time, like, uh, considered about the time like is there anything damon that you want to share with the founders that i might not might not have asked or anything that you want to share with the entrepreneur who is listening to this episode right now um i'll share one i'll share one tool that's um that's kind of fun to use you know whether you're an seo or marketing or uh, you know paid ads um social ads whatever there's a, a cool free website called answerthepublic.com um what answer the public does is it kind of catalogs data and helps you better understand what your audience is already asking search engines. So that way you don't have to guess on what pain points they have. And I'll give a quick funny story is when we were working with the, the Utah Jazz, they had a new retail division called Team Store where we were tasked to help them sell more, more merchandise, more jerseys and more hats. And so part of the audience that we're targeting is who likes newer players like Donovan Mitchell and then who likes legacy players like Cara Malone. And so the funny story that I like to share is when we were going through answer the public, one of the topics that came up that we would have never thought of as an agency, the customer never thought of, um, didn't reveal itself immediately in historical search results, but came up very clearly in answer the public was how did Carl Malone die? And it's funny because Carl Malone's not dead. And so what this point illustrates is that's what your customer wants to know. It doesn't matter that it's the wrong question because that's what the market is demanding. So you take that wrong question and give them the right answer. And so what I mean by that is in this case, it might be an opportunity to write an article that says, here's the top 10 myths of how Caramelon died. Because then you answer the question, you bring in your ideal buyer of somebody who's a fan of Caramelon, whose merchandise you're trying to sell. And then you're probably going to rank pretty well because I don't think too many other people are going to be writing about how many, how, how Carmel died because it's not dead because he's not dead. So it's an easy win to rank quickly and tap directly into the ideal buying audience. Interesting. Like I was um, like, I am using answer the answer the public like for a long time, but the, the way you explain like what pretty interesting. Okay. I never thought about it. Okay. Because it's it's kind of confusing at the same time if if the if the person is new for the very first time using answer the public because 
um, one common concept is already there like for a long time keyword like yeah go with the mm-hmm. keyword but answer the public like they are giving you the questions so you basically yes you might be typing the keyword there but the questions are going to be around it so now the question comes in the mind like you are going to focus entirely on a keyword and create your own title or focus there because i'm I might not have used answer the public in such a way that um, I don't have deeper level insight because I think answer the public is not um, giving the num- number of people asking this this particular question, right? Something like that. It's, it's missing there. Yeah. Um, so the answer is I don't care how many people are searching for <laughs> it um, because you, you can look at it from an easy numbers perspective. Do you want, do you want, five people that convert out of 10 search queries, Hmm. or do you want one person that converts out of 10,000? I don't care about the search volume. Sure. You know, we take it into consideration, but what's more important to me is what is more relevant and accurate to the ideal buyer. I would way rather have a low search volume keyword that has the right people that will convert way higher than me shooting for the moon. Because you're going to, there's a lot of, besides the obvious, there's, there's, if your website, even though it ranks for something broad, doesn't have all the broad answers. It has specific answers for your specific product and service. So it's going to increase the bounce rate because you don't have the answers for everybody. And even if you got a lucky shot and it ranked for a while, it's going to quickly fall off because you're not providing all the answers for everybody else. And so Google's going to see all these people abandoning your website and realize that your website doesn't have the right answer. Now, let's say that that doesn't happen. The perfect example is I do not want to rank on page one for SEO. I would never want to rank for that. The reason why is because that would be the wrong audience. I am not in business to educate people on the process of SEO. I am not in business or I'm not interested in, um, you know, if I can help people find the answer, I'll help them find the answer. But the type of people that can pay our agency are not the budget consumers. And so I can't help if, if I showed up on page one of Google, I would be on the phone all day with people who are just starting their SEO journey. Like that's what my book is for. That's what my articles are for. That's what LinkedIn is for. That is not what me on the phone running a business is for. And so I don't care about the volume for the most part. I care about the intent and accuracy of getting in front of the right people. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, I, I, I got your vision, like how you're looking at the things. Beautiful, I loved it. And uh, Damon, like how and where to connect with you, like if someone wants to get in touch? Yeah, um, so LinkedIn, I'm pretty active on. Facebook as well. Uh, SEOnational.com is the company. Um, and then if, if you want uh, to learn a little bit more about SEO. I have a book that I wrote last year called Outrank. Um, you can get it on Amazon, but I also give it away for free at freeseobook.com. And um, doesn't upsell you on anything, just on the thank you page. It invites you to a little Facebook group. And other than that, just gives you the PDF right there. Thank you. Thank you so much, Damon, for coming to the podcast. It just means a lot. Yeah, I appreciate the conversation.